This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can dial toll-free. Bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com show is about your calls. If you make them, that is up to you. Otherwise, we will talk about things interesting to us. And starting things out here tonight, uh, coming up, there's a pretty disturbing Rasmussen poll about Americans and their belief in socialism. Uh, But we'll start things out with broadband. Broadband Internet. Who doesn't want it? Or at least who has been on the Internet uh, doesn't want it. I guess there are still some people out there possibly listening to the sound of my voice that have never even set foot onto uh, the World Wide Web. And uh, to them, I say, you're missing out. You should... Look into it. Head to head over to the library or your nearest uh, place of uh, business, internet cafe, whatever that kind of Beats thing. Beats the heck out of TV. It really, really does. Uh, I mean, TV's good in that they've got a lot of choices these days, but certainly better than it was when there were three choices or right. whatever. But. Well, if television has 100 channels now, and, and actually you could probably get more, yeah. the internet has billions of channels. Billions of web pages. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the web. There are a whole other, a whole lot of other things that are on the internet. And but one of the things about the internet is the access, the speed of access, as far as how quickly you can get from one point to another. And in order to move quickly, you need to have a broadband connection on your end. Uh, I mean, the websites out there hopefully are hosted on fairly large connections, larger connections than you can even get at your home. So as long as you've got a broadband connection at your house, you should be pretty much good to go. Turns out, though, that the United States is one of the, uh, as far as the developed world is concerned, one of the worst places to purchase broadband Internet services. Why is that? Well, because there's just not enough competition, as the story from the New York Times reveals. says if you get excited about the prospect of really, really fast broadband Internet service, well, here's a statistic that'll make your heart race, or your blood boil, or both. Pretty much the fastest consumer broadband in the world is the 160 megabit per second service offered by JCOM, the largest cable company in Japan. Now, here's how much the company had to invest in order to upgrade its network to provide that new speed. $20 per home passed. The cable modem needed for that speed costs about 60 bucks compared with about $30 for the current generation. By contrast, Verizon is spending an average of $817 per home passed to wired uh, to wire neighborhoods for its Fios fiber optic network and another $716 for equipment and labor in each home that subscribes, according to an analyst company. So why such the big yeah, know, why, why the that? big discrepancy? And I'd like to point out that the Verizon Fios product doesn't even come close to 160 megabits per second. Right now, I'm on a business Internet connection here in Keene, New Hampshire from Time Warner. There is no uh, Fios available here. So this is just a regular cable modem business class service. I'm only getting 15 megabits downstream. That's the, that's the, the amount of speed maximum that you can receive coming from websites. And so fit, that's a tenth of, uh, you know, less than a tenth of 160 megabits per second. My computer probably couldn't handle anything faster than yours anyway, though, right? I mean, like, it wouldn't be faster download for my computer. Your computer couldn't handle, I'm sorry, one more, well, like, by me um, you know, it may be able to download that information that fast, but my computer has to be able to show it in, on the screen, and so likely there wouldn't be any change if you went from whatever you have now to whatever they have, JCOM's uh, service there in Japan. Likely, I would see my web pages pop up as quickly, right? 
Hard to say. It it all depends on what websites you're going to and what kind of uh, speed their internet connections are there. But the more megabits, the better. The more megabits, the more uh, things you can be doing at once. So, for instance, if you weren't uh, just doing web surfing, if you were also downloading some torrents or streaming some video or audio or something like that, the the more you the more bandwidth you have, the more options you have as far as uh, surfing and, and experiencing the internet. So, but why is Verizon spending $817 per home passed and another 716 for each home that subscribes compared to Jcom, which is spending 20 The numbers come from Michael T. Fries, the chief executive of Liberty Global, the American company that operates Jcom. His larger point is that, to me, this just isn't an expensive capital investment, he said. The experience in Japan suggests that the major cable systems in the United States might be able to increase the speed of their broadband service by five to ten times right away. They might not even need to charge much more for it than they do now, and they'd still make as much money. The cable industry here uses the same technology as JCOM. And several vendors said that while the prices Mr. Freeze quoted were on the low side, most systems can be upgraded for no more than about $100 per home, including the new modem. Moreover, the monthly cost of bandwidth to connect a home to the Internet is minimal, say executives. So what's wrong with this picture in the United States? The cable companies, like Comcast and Cablevision, that are moving quickly to install the fast broadband technology, called DOCSIS-3, are charging as much as $140 per month for 50 megabits per second service. Meanwhile, other companies, like Time Warner, are moving much more slowly. Turns out that competition, or rather the lack of it, goes a long way to explaining why the fees are higher in the United States. There is less competition in the U.S. than in many other countries. Broadband already has the highest profit margins of any product that cable companies offer, like any because they don't have to pay licensing fees. I mean, think about it. When cable companies, if you look at what a cable company offers as far as its product is concerned, they've got pretty much two categories. I, although I guess now they're offering phone, uh, voice over IP phone service. But uh, cable companies offer your cable television with, you know, hundreds of channels or whatever it might be. And then they offer broadband Internet. And for broadband Internet, all they have to do is install, a, a, a you know, several uh, an access point, essentially, to the uh, the larger intern- the Internet at large, and they have to pay for that bandwidth. The junction in the tubes. Yeah, but that's it. Then they just, you know, they build their infrastructure around that, and they get subscribers, and that's all they're paying for, really, besides the technicians and, you know, whatever other staffing overhead they have to deal with. Whereas if you want to get HBO on your cable system, or if you want to get, you know, Nick at Night, or whatever the various different cable channels are out there, some of those you've got to pay for. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's all of them that you have to pay for. I've never worked on the inside of the cable television business, but I know for a fact that a number of them, though, you know, ESPN, you've got to pay big bucks to be able to offer that on your cable television system. So that's what they're saying here is this broadband Internet is, in comparison to cable television, relatively low overhead, very high profit at least. Anyway, they say that uh, like any profit-maximizing business would do, they set prices in relation to other providers and market demand rather than based on their costs. So if there aren't a lot of providers in the marketplace... Right. There's, There's not a lot of supply... There's a whole bunch of demand. Price goes up. It doesn't matter what it costs them to produce. If it costs them a penny to produce mm-hmm. for each house, or whether it costs them $100 to produce each house, the price doesn't have that much to do. It does have something to do, but not that much to do with you know what it costs to produce something, and certainly not if it's cheaper. 
Right, and it's thank goodness that we have the option to choose between, in many areas, at least two two different kinds of providers. Here uh, we get to choose from cable or DSL. Out where you live, Mark, you don't really have those options. You're out in the woods. I get to choose between uh, that satellite uh, internet that they have and uh, cell phone. And cell phone, which is uh, leaves something to be desired. It does. It, in your world, for me, it's yeah. just fine. It's better than dial-up. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I, I don't, I don't come here to where the uh, the internet is 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 uh, shooting all kinds of rays through this house to my house, and I never say to myself, "Gosh, it sure is better here." I never even think about it. Really? That's yeah, there's good. just no difference for me. For somebody like me, it yeah, would be for you, intolerable. It's entire, right, into, entirely different <laughs> thing. So, uh, so yeah, so the, the fact that we just even have two entities competing in a marketplace does something to keep prices down, but not as much as five or ten different providers would. I mean, if there were that many Internet providers in any given geographical area, then you'd see a price war. You'd see an all-out, uh, knock-down, drag-out battle to see who could get the, the, you know, the most customers aren't at the lo- best price. Aren't there local Internet service providers, though? There are dial-up internet service providers that are tend that tend to be local. So there's not any local ones that aren't dial-up. Sometimes there are uh, companies that can piggyback on the telephone lines. They can offer DSL through the existing uh, phone systems. It's one of those. So deals. essentially, they're paying the phone company. So you're 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 paying a middleman for the DSL essentially. It's, right. Well, it's one of those deals where the government mandates that in order to spread competition, we're going to force the phone company to give other companies access to its lines. It's one of those things. So they yeah. force the phone company to give other companies access, and they force the phone company to give them access at a specific rate. So there, there usually are those options. But again, you're, you're still talking about the phone company's system that those folks are operating on. More coming up. You bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up whatever you want, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They are yours completely free at freetalklive.com. You want liberty in your lifetime? You can join the Free State Project at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, June 25th through the 28th, for a weekend of freedom and fun here in New Hampshire. Early bird registration only, $15. Visit porkfest.com. That's porkfest with a C, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T, porkfest.com. 800-259-9231, talking about the state of the Internet here in the United States. And apparently it's, it's kind of dismal. In comparison to other countries, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not complaining about my broadband access. I think that it's, it's fine. I mean, I've been on broadband since broadband was available. Sarasota, Florida, which is where I grew up, was Comcast's uh, one of their first test markets for cable, uh, cable modem. So I've been on it since the mid 1990s. And once you're hooked on broadband, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to cut down to uh, any slower speeds. And luckily, I really haven't had to do that. There was a slight speed cut when I. I moved here to New Hampshire just because Comcast, again, in Sarasota was such a, a, a burgeoning test market for Internet speeds. So there was a slight cut. But now that I moved up to the uh, the business class, I'm, 
I'm feeling comfy with my broadband. But when I look at the statistics from these other countries, as uh, the New York Times is revealing, when I look at the numbers, I'm blown away by what's available in places that arguably are not as free market uh, oriented as Japan, like Japan or the Netherlands. Well, it turns out their marketplace is more free in the case of Internet service providers. They just they have more of them. So competition is better. And we know from paying attention to how the marketplace works that when you have competition, you get more innovation. When you have competition, you bring prices down. Products and services become more affordable. They become better. Customer services they become better. available to uh, you know the low, the lower classes too. Sure, because you know that's just the way things have worked. At one point, cars were only available to those who could afford them. Well, now everybody's got them. They may not have the nicest car, but they can get around. Uh, televisions, flat screen TVs—they were just so expensive when they first came out. Now you can get one of the really big ones for less than a grand. And I'm not saying that I think broadband is expensive in the United States. I think it's affordable. I think that to anybody that says they can't afford broadband, I'd like to check and see if they have cable television first before we even continue the conversation. Because if you're paying seventy, eighty, hundred dollars a month, I mean that's a typical cable television bill for some people. If you're paying that kind of money for a cable TV, then there's no reason why you couldn't afford a, you know, $40 a month DSL connection or something like that. In fact, you can get broadband, you can get slower speed DSL for as little as 20 or 30 bucks a month from from my understanding. So well, I think the complaint with broadband access would likely be the people in the rural areas that can't get it. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's a tough situation. You're living out in the middle of nowhere, you your options are limited. Yep. Right? Every, but it's, it costs more to transport everything out to you and there's no reason that uh, that everybody else should pay in order to to have that you know, that, I absolutely have, agree. you don't have it delivered to you. Even in more metropolitan areas, even more urban areas, though, the competition in Internet service providing is very limited as far as broadband is concerned. And as it turns out, that means that the United, the United States has uh, just less available than anywhere else. It's not because they can't upgrade. In fact, the story from the New York Times says that the technology that they're running in Japan is essentially the same technology that they're uh, that they're running here. In fact, Comcast and some of the other companies are slowly upgrading to uh I guess Comcast moving a little quicker than some of the other companies, but they're upgrading to a new standard which will offer faster speeds at a relatively affordable price. But as it turns out, cable executives have given several reasons for why many cable systems in the United States are going slowly in upgrading to this new system. There's little competition in areas not served by Verizon's FIO system, which will soon offer 50 megabit per second service. And some argue there just isn't that, Dutch, uh, that much demand for super high speed. But Mr. Freeze added, uh, added another, and this is the man who's in charge of the company that's offering $60 a month, uh, 160 megabit service out in Japan. He says, it's fear. Other cable operators, he said, are concerned that not only will prices fall, but that the super fast internet service will encourage customers to watch video on the internet and drop their cable service, that's, drop their that television. That makes perfectly good sense. Because if you could get... If you could if you could watch movies on the internet and buy a plasma TV, which is essentially a computer screen, mm-hmm. and uh, hook a computer up to it, I mean, think about this for a second. For thirteen hundred dollars or something like that, does that sound right to you, Ian? You could have a you could have a television that you could watch any movie you wanted to. Wham! 
right then. Just pick it and watch it. Pretty much. It's getting to that point. Uh, Netflix, for instance, doesn't... Right. They don't have every movie yet. Well, that's true, but just just about every movie you want could be streamed to your television just by the moment you pick it. You don't have to pick it on Netflix and then wait for it to come, which is a great service, mind you. Mm -hmm. Um, And you wouldn't have to wait for the, the cable company to, you know, provide whatever movie it provides. You could just get the movie... Watch it on your TV. Right. Pay-per-view is done. Right. right. You don't have to pay. Over. Right. I, I forgot to mention that. And you do it for one monthly fee. And that monthly fee is what? For the... Uh, for 60 bucks a month or something? Is that what Netflix is? Oh, for, for Netflix? No. You can get Netflix for like 15. 15 and then you watch... What, how, unlimited Unlimited internet. movies you want on this uh, $1,300 television yeah. set that you put together. It's not hard, people. Even... I think I could do it. <laughs> I think I could, don't you? Yeah, I think you, you just could. Hook your computer up to the internet, hook the computer up to the television, and then yep. you're there, right? That's pretty much it. It's, it just keeps getting easier and easier. I mean, a few years ago, it would be more difficult than it is today. And so the internet, or rather the industry, is worried that by offering speeds of 100 megabits per second, that they're opening the Pandora's box, said the expert. Everybody will be able to get video on the internet, and then competition will bring the price for the broadband down from $80 to 60 to $40. And uh, so the article writer asks, well, aren't you worried that the prices will fall, too? Maybe, he said slowly. We'll see how it happens. We want to keep it up there for now. It is a premium service. But this is a guy who is on the, the cutting edge of lowering prices and offering better service. In the so U.S. or in Japan? In Japan. Right. But his company is based in the U.S., so <laughs> it's just it's amazing watching this happen. The, well, the, the, only the, the cognitive dissidents that the the executives feel likely they'd never they would never say, and they probably aren't even thinking. Oh well, this internet thing's a competition. Maybe maybe they are. I don't know, but they certainly wouldn't say to some reporter, "Oh, the internet's competition to our cable business. We couldn't offer speeds that fast." Well, yeah, that's right. Well, that's that's why he's saying it to them. Like this is they're not going to tell you this, but this is the reason why they're not moving. They're not rushing to get these things done. And you know, as you're pointing out, Mark, we're we're pretty much getting to that point already. You can go on a lot of the major television websites, ABC. For instance, has HD streaming of almost all of their regularly scheduled programming. So, uh, Julia, for instance, likes to watch the show Lost, and I like it. It's a pretty good show as well. Uh, it's on you know Wednesday nights, and so the way their model works is they air it live on their television channel at a specific time on a Wednesday night. Then the next morning. Uh, like around 8 o'clock Eastern Time in the morning, they take that episode from last night and they put it on their website with very limited commercial interruption. So how long does it take you to download that episode? You don't download it. It streams to you. So you don't so have to buffer it in, in any way? The buffering is very, very short. So and you just basically click on and start. And that's watch right. Because on a YouTube, often I'll, uh, I'll click on it and then pause it so that it has a chance to buffer, right. and then I'll watch it. Well, and you are out on the you know, cell phone internet out in the middle of the woods, so it's going to take a little longer for you. This, this ABC feed, it comes right on, and it's in HD sometimes. Mount, mountain Man don't need no internet. <laughs> 800-259-9231. You don't need it, but it sure is nice to have. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site. 
We give them away, including the bulletin board system with over 450,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about from serious issues to fun stuff. You find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. If you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI, the main sponsor of this show, does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Sickles employees are, employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. Sickles CAI. They check out their banner at freetalklive.com. Do business with businesses. Support Free Talk Live. 1-800-259-9231. So we're talking about the, uh, the state of the Internet in America, and it's actually kind of in sad shape compared to a broadband Internet. That is, it's in sad shape compared to some of the other countries where there's just better competition in the marketplace for Internet service providing. Well, you might ask, and it'd be a great question to ask, why is it that way? And we'll get to that in a moment here. But first, your phone call. Steve in South Carolina, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Steve. Hi, Ian. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Mark, uh, sorry, I got bronchitis. You what? I'm sorry? I have bronchitis. Oh, okay. Well, what's on your mind tonight, Steve? Uh, anyway, um, I wish they'd have fiber to the curb. That would be great. Wouldn't it, though? Fiber is a uh, is the new Fios uh, Verizon's product that they're putting out there. And I guess, uh, I think Time Warner offers fiber. I'm sure you can get fiber if you're willing to pay for it. The last time I talked to them, it was like $1,200 a month and wow. a significant amount of money to have it installed. So <laughs> it's not really within the affordable range for most people yet. Well, here in Charleston, if you live in a city, you get free Wi-Fi. From the, from the city government? Correct. Ew. It's not free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I see your point. You're paying for it in your property taxes, and I don't know if I would trust my uh, Internet service providing to the state. No, probably a little eavesdropping going on, no, you know, stuff like that. But the reason I called is I actually needed Internet connection, and uh, I, so I needed broadband. So I got the broadband company, and they gave me a deal, $30 for three months. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then they upped it to 60. I'm like, holy crap. Hmm. So I thought, well, and I did that for a few months, and I had no cable whatsoever because I was on dish, and I went ahead and cut it off. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And I had an antenna, the rabbit ears, and I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I, I took a one gigahertz splitter, and I split my Internet connection off, and I took it to a television, turned it on. I had basic TV, HBO, and Showtime. I said, huh. Now I'm going to get a four-port splitter. <laughs> wait a minute, so, wait a minute. Let me see if I've got you straight here. You're saying you order just cable internet. You're, you order just uh, broadband internet from your cable company. You did not right. order any television services, but you split off the signal and you found out that they had asked, still given you an activated uh, television feed? Correct. That's pretty cool. That's, that, that happens. All, that, that, that's what happens. Uh, is, uh, that's what know, happens? That, yes. I'm sure it's a mistake. It sounds like a mistake no, to me. It, uh, everybody, I've heard two people um, say the same thing. It sounds to me like what happened was your installer didn't install a filter on the line. They usually have these uh, filters, these a piece of hardware that yeah. they they plug your uh, your cable connection into prior to running it into your home. I'm guessing you just didn't get one of those installed. No, he did not filter to the pole, and he came straight to the house and ran it. And I was like, okay. And I watched. I looked at the pole and I looked at the box, and there was no there was no filter. I was like, cool. So I just split it off with a one gigahertz splitter, and well, that's everything. only going to work for so long. I mean, that's your what you're getting there is you're getting the analog. So is paying signals. your bill, man. 
Huh? So is paying your bill only going to work for so long? You pay your bill for a month, you get a month of service. You pay the bill for a month, you get another month of service. Right, but he's getting free service that he's right. not paying so it's only going to work for so long. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's only going to work until they fi- A, figure it out, or B, uh, until analog uh, television goes away, which they're on the, you know, it's on the way out. Right, with the HD stuff. But the thing is, is now I've been late payment on my Internet, and they've shut me down. Well, they should. <laughs> You're not paying them. I still had television. Oh, that is interesting. interesting. Well, I guess what happens there is they shut you down from the Internet at their their central office. They can shut you down there, but they'd actually have to come and physically disconnect the line in order for the TV to go away. But since they don't know that you have the TV, they don't know to shut it off. Well, and the whole thing is, is they look at my Mac address. If I don't pay the bill, they just turn my Mac off. Yeah, that's pretty much how it works. Any other thoughts tonight? No, dude, I'm cool. Thanks for the call tonight, dude. His MAC address, for those that are not technically inclined, is a unique identifying code that identifies every network connection on pretty much on the Internet. So your uh, your Wi-Fi card has a MAC address. Your cable modem or DSL modem has a MAC address. So that's what that means. 800-259-9231. So why is it that uh, the state of the Internet is so poor as far as broadband is concerned in this country? Why is there so little competition? Well, look no further than your friendly neighborhood government. That's right. It's your local city-slash-county governments that are to be blamed for this. You know, this isn't a federal government problem in this particular case. You think people expected us to blame it on the government? Uh, Maybe, if they've listened to the show at least once. Uh, But no, it's not a federal government issue. Maybe a state government issue, because they probably have some regulations. Although, who knows what role the FCC plays in this. I'm not certainly not an industry insider. But really, one of the biggest problems is the local franchise fees, or whatever you call them, the franchise rules. Because as a uh, provider of a service coming into to looking at looking at coming into a marketplace, you have to go in front of the cable commission or the city council or whatever government bureaucracy has been slated to uh, to oversee such things, and you have to come in there with your business plan and you know present it and beg. Essentially, you have to beg these bureaucrats for the permission to do business in a particular marketplace. Especially if you're going to be using the poles yeah. that run the wires. The poles are the trick. Right. So basically, the city has control over those poles and gets to allow or disallow whomever they want as far as accessing those poles. And so if you're not in the, you know, if you haven't greased the right palms, stuffed enough money in the right pockets, or, you know, that might not even be possible if they well, are really... Likely you're tr- not talking about actual graft um, like you would you would expect in some third world countries. You're talking about fees and... and no, uh, I mean both. I don't... I, are you telling me, Mark, that you don't think you could get somewhere by going around in, a, uh, in any given area and schmoozing with the politicians, sure buying hurt. them some nice dinners, maybe giving them a boat or something like that? Sure couldn't hurt. Right. So, uh, so... So if you can't do that, or if, for instance, the existing companies, the existing cable provider or phone provider, they just own the city council for whatever reason, you're not getting in. They're not going to let you in. In fact, they have a problem even allowing the phone company and the cable company to compete with uh, their own services. So it's been, a, it's been like pulling teeth 
for the cable companies to get the city governments around the country to allow them to offer phone services. And similarly, it's been as difficult for the phone companies to get the local governments to allow them to compete in the, in the area of uh, television services. Well, how come the, you know, there, there used to be this uh, internet service where you would have like a, a radio tower and, you know, businesses would get their internet service from that radio tower or, um, you know, the cell phone companies. Why, mm-hmm. why is it we can't have our internet flying through the air? Good question. Uh, you can now with cell phone internet, and it's it's not too shabby. I mean, think what do you pay? Sixty bucks a month for unlimited right. bandwidth. There's no there's no cap on the bandwidth that you can use at at sixty dollars a month. You're you're just kind of out in the woods, so I don't know how good their connection is at the cell phone tower. I'm not sure how all of that. Again, I don't know much about the infrastructure there. When it rains, it's tough to get the internet. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't understand why that would be. Again, not a, a not a radio engineer here, uh, but but that is available, Mark. One of the reasons why it's not as widely available, perhaps, as it maybe should be, is all of the rules on cell phone towers. Yes, it's very difficult to put a big, ugly radio tower up in I many think communities. They're beautiful. I, I agree. It's, I, it says progress. And the radio the tower is, is progress. They have radio towers that look like all kinds of things. You could make it look like oh, a big, God. giant, ugly tree. The if tree, you want. yeah, they are ugly. <laughs> you can spot them. You can tell which ones sometimes are the fake trees. Sometimes you can, but like they'll they'll stick out at you. But sometimes they just blend into the background. So you know, if it makes it makes the community happy, that's fine. But they have them as uh, big towers and you know all kinds of things. I think they look. Fine, it's great. But that's your reason, Mark. That's your answer as to why there's, no, A, not a lot of cell phone coverage in rural areas is because that there are a bunch of busybodies that have an, a, an objection to having a cell phone tower in their area. Oh, God, it's going to give us cancer, and it's so ugly, and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they don't mind living in uh, the Stone Age, basically. But if you're living in that same area, then those busybodies are controlling whether you get to access the Internet or not. And so that's one of the reasons why it's more difficult to get Internet than it should be, because of local governments and their restrictions on who can do business in any given area. More coming up. You dial in. Bring up what you want. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You dial in, bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And you know what? If you want to support the show, you can do that by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. I know that doesn't do much for uh, those of you that are out there without internet access. That's what we've been talking about so far tonight. But for those of you that do, it makes a big difference for us when you shop through that link, because when you shop through that link, a percentage of your purchase goes to Free Talk Live, amazon.freetalklive.com. We started out by talking about internet pricing uh, and, and what you get for what you pay for here in America compared to other countries, like Japan, for instance. And you just don't get as much here in America, and it has to do with the fact that there's very little competition in the broadband internet field. Why is there very little competition? Well, as we talked about in the last segment, it's because of the local government franchise boards and the city councils uh, that around the country are essentially protecting what is basically an, it's an oligopoly or a duopoly, for instance, in many places. Is duopoly the right word for two? That would be Monopoly, right. duopoly? Well, in a lot of places, all you've got are cable modem and DSL, if you're lucky. In some places, even less than that. And, and I'm not talking about dial-up here. We're just talking broadband options. Now, of course, the cell phone companies are getting involved into the game, and that's good. It's a, it's another it's a third option. Cell phone internet isn't as fast as DSL or actually, you know, I take that back. 
I actually ran a uh, ran a speed test on my BlackBerry because I've got the the internet on that, and I was getting like four megabits per second, which is actually faster than DSL. So so okay, I'll give credit to the uh, the cell phone companies. They're throwing themselves into the marketplace. And they have to. They're adding some uh, some much needed competition into the broadband fare, but still the speeds pale in comparison to what is available over in the Netherlands and other parts of Europe and Japan uh, and other places around the world. So the way to solve this problem, of course, is to get the government the hell out of the way. Now, how do we actually? Get, how do you actually accomplish su- uh, such a thing? I guess it would have to be through the political system, right? I mean, you'd have to have some kind of legislation that opens up the uh, the marketplace that doesn't allow Technology. these local... Somehow or another, they can uh, make the Internet fly through the air. Um, and... and then you get into the FCC, which we didn't really talk too much about, and their, uh, and their rules and their restrictions as far as, you know, and I don't know what they all are. Um, I know that the FCC's rules and regulations on radio stations are fairly restrictive, so I imagine that the FCC's rules when it comes to broadband wireless Internet access are also uh, fairly restrictive. I, I don't know. If you know more about this and you'd like to comment, 800-259-9231. I remember it was years ago when I was living down in Sarasota, there was a company that was offering wireless Internet access, and I remember I had them come out to my house. Break and free. I don't remember what. No, I don't think they were called. Maybe there was another one. Anyway, I had them come out to my house and give me a little site survey to see if I could receive their internet services. And for whatever reason, they just kind of dropped the ball. I'd given, you know, I'd shown them an interest in purchasing their uh, products, and I'd called them to follow up, and they just weren't. They just never really did anything to uh, to to get me as a customer. I must not have been worth it to them, or maybe they were just a you know fly-by-night operation. Who knows? Happens sometimes. But it didn't work out for them. And uh, are you are you able to get some sort of wireless internet access uh, where where you live? Is it affordable? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So until the government decides to graciously allow more competition into the marketplace, I'm afraid that those of us here in America are going to be stuck uh, at the whims of these these. Two companies, essentially, that we have in our marketplaces that are they're going to upgrade when they feel like upgrading. You know, they're going to compete eh, maybe just a little bit here and there. But for the most part, the Internet development uh, is relatively stagnant here in America. And I think it's sad. Your thoughts at 800-259-9231. What can be done? What can be done to change this situation? You know, going back to the uh, the issue of the cable companies talking about how one of the reasons why the cable companies are not exactly running to upgrade their internet services is because they're worried that people are going to start seeing the value of the internet service compared to what they're paying for the, uh, the their cable services. And so they're concerned that their internet customers are going to stop subscribing to cable television. I'm one of those people. I don't subscribe to cable TV. I have no interest in cable television. All of the, all of the uh, television shows I want to see, I can see on the internet. And if I can't see them through some sort of live streaming, I could go to Netflix and I could, you know, download them that way or or stream them uh, through Netflix or get the DVDs. So there are so many other delivery options now for television services. It's getting it's getting to be a scary situation for those cable companies. But you know, I kind of feel most sorry for Mark. Not so much the cable companies as the the local television affiliates. If you think about that, your local ABC affiliate, your local CBS, Fox, uh, those those affiliates, those sort of long-time, mainstay, over-the-air broadcasters, I feel sorry for those guys. 
Now, I know I understand that they're still serving a significant segment of the population that is unconnected as far as the Internet is concerned, and I think that segment will be around for a long time. I don't know how long, but at least another decade or two, I would say, before things start to shift in a more Internet. I can't get anything on uh, you know, broadcast television where I live. Sure. And you can't get it here either. No, no, you're, you know, you're out in the woods, and we're fairly far away from any major metros. Uh, but there are still people that receive over-the-air television signals, and those over-the-air signals are also uh, being translated over to cable systems in their local areas. So they still have people watching. But as more of these network shows become available online, and more of them are, as I said, ABC's got their full lineup. I don't know what the uh, the competition offers. I don't know what Fox or those other sites have. I haven't been to their websites yet. But I imagine they're jumping into the game, too, wouldn't you think? I mean, if ABC's doing it, they should jump in and, and compete. So uh, so as more shows become available online, it'll be more desirable to watch them online because same reason a lot of people buy the TiVo boxes, because the TiVos cut out the commercials, right? So people watch want, faster. Right. You, you watch the shows in less time, and you, uh, you get to watch them on your schedule. Well, that's what the Internet's allowing people to do, too. You click and you watch the show when you want to watch it, and there's very little commercial interruption. Now, on the Internet, they can force you, essentially, to watch the commercials in order to get through the product. But if all it is is a 30-second commercial in each break, that's no big deal. Right. It's not. Most people will not fast-forward through a 30-second commercial. They can't. They can lock it down so you can't even okay. fast-forward through it. In fact, they could even make it so if you switch windows, it'll freeze it. Like if you try to go and edit a Word document or something like that while it's, while it's playing, they theoretically could, could identify you trying to get around it and freeze the commercial until you come back, and then they could force you to finish it. Gosh. So there are some you know, neat ways that they can implement the, to guarantee that you're going to see the advertisers. But who in their right mind would choose to watch an over-the-air broadcast or a cable television broadcast of a show when they could watch the same show with less commercials on the Internet. Fewer. On demand, with fewer commercials on the Internet, on demand. Right now, the only reason to watch over-the-air television, and it's like you can tell ABC's doing this to protect their affiliates, they're giving them a mm, 12-hour window, eight or you know, basically a 12-hour window of time. Right. So if you're a local affiliate and you're carrying the uh, the ABC stuff, you get the, uh, the the benefit of airing it first. So the real addicts, right, the ones that have to have the new episode of Lost will ensure that they have cable television so they can be sitting down at nine o'clock or whatever time it comes on and sit down and be there watching it on the live, you know, the live cable television affiliate or over the air affiliate. But otherwise, that's the only reason to have cable television. I mean, it's the only reason to have a cable package these days as far as if you're going to watch those shows. Obviously, if you want stuff like ESPN and all that, I don't know how far they've come as far as putting their stuff on yep. the Internet. But live it's sports, coming. Live sports is huge. Yeah. But all that's coming. Yeah. And so, so what I was saying is I feel sorry for the local affiliates. I mean, these affiliates, I presume they pay for the ability to be an ABC affiliate, but I'm not sure about that. I would imagine. So they're paying ABC, and ABC is, you know, doing them the favor of letting them run the programming first. But man, they must be seeing there must be people dropping off of that. People have to be dropping out of that system and plugging into the internet and just going going pure on demand for their video needs. I mean, I don't mind waiting until the next morning to see Lost. That's no big deal for me. 
I can't imagine that most of the viewers of any show are the obsessive obsessies to the point where they have to see it the moment it airs. What do you think that I mean as far as the percentage of any show's watching population, what percentage are so obsessed that they must be there at nine o'clock Eastern time when the show airs to watch it? I can't imagine that's that's so I mean that, that it, I can't imagine there's very many. I, I can't imagine people doing appointment watching. I certainly have done that. Oh, this show that I want to see comes on at such and such a time, mm-hmm. so I'm going to set that day of um, you know day of the week aside to do that. I remember you know I had a girlfriend who used to watch uh, Will and Grace, right? And you know that that's everything stopped on Thursday night or whatever it was. But you can do the same thing with the internet if you know that the show's going to be available the next morning at 8 a.m. You make an appointment for that time. And then you don't have to watch four-minute-long commercial breaks. Well, then you can just watch it anytime you want. I mean, right, you exactly. Don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. That's true. 800. Well, you do have to wait from the live time. Yeah, but it's 12 hours, though. Big whoop. 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. Hour two is coming up. Socialism in America. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You dial toll-free. Bring up whatever you want as we launch here into hour number two of the program, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about. Your calls are the primary element if you make them. Otherwise, we talk about things interesting to us, like uh, coming up, though, uh, coming up, we are going to talk about unemployment in America, but first, socialism in America. According to a brand new Rasmussen poll, you might find these numbers interesting. According to them, only 53% of American adults believe capitalism is better than socialism. Now, of course, we don't know exactly how capitalism and socialism were described, if they were described at all. If they were described at all, and, you know, yeah. But that said, we'll give you the numbers. The latest Rasmussen Reports National Telephone Survey found that 20% disagree and say socialism is better. 27% are not sure which is better. And so 53% the remainder. Adults under 30 are essentially evenly divided. 37% prefer capitalism, 33% socialism, and 30% are undecided. 30-somethings are a bit more supportive of the free enterprise approach with 49% for capitalism, 26% for socialism. Adults over 40 strongly favor capitalism, and just 13% of those those older Americans believe socialism is better. What do you think accounts for that, Mark? That as people get older, they are more likely to support capitalism? Well, I would assume. They actually, old people actually own things. 
kids don't tend to own anything. So private property means very little to them. I'm with, are, that, that makes perfectly good sense to me. Um, I, I didn't have an answer until Julia gave one. Yeah. And now I like hers. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I'd say she's right on because you know, your, your young people are just getting out of the socialist indoctrination camps, right? Well, and, and, that was and, part two. Yeah, not just school, but uh, you know, property doesn't really mean anything when mommy and daddy have paid for everything of consequence in your life. And mm-hmm. Most kids today, their parents either bought their cars for them completely or Ugh. they helped them out a lot. I'm so glad my parents did not do that for me. I had to buy my first car, and I didn't pay a whole lot for it, but it was an old 1974 Toyota pickup truck, so, you know, the price was right. 500 bucks, I think. You know, I had to to work for all my stuff, but I still didn't think that it was that great of an idea that, uh, um, you know, that... We, we I, I didn't I didn't think capitalism was that great because I wanted more more and better stuff I guess I mean, you were a uh, communist in high school yeah weren't I you? was I was an anarcho communist in high school and I, the but you know I just hadn't lived in the real world sure. and didn't realize that everything that the government does turns to crap and it doesn't matter which government it is it's not just the United States government any government because people aren't aren't motivated in the same way. Investors by a 5-to-1 margin choose capitalism. As for those who do not invest, 40% say capitalism is better, while 25% prefer socialism. There's a partisan gap as well. Republicans by an 11-to-1 margin say they favor capitalism. Democrats say just 39% say capitalism is better, while 30% prefer socialism. And for those not affiliated with either major political party, 48% say capitalism best, 21% opting for socialism. The question posed by Rasmussen did not define either capitalism or socialism. So when we talk about capitalism on this show, we talk about true capitalism, uh, and I prefer to not even use that term. I prefer the term the free marketplace, and I think the free marketplace is even more descriptive of what is an ideal situation because then you can have uh, capitalism and you can have a, you can have a commune. All of that can exist in the free marketplace. So I prefer that term myself. But most people they misunderstand what capitalism is. Most people believe that what we have today is capitalism and it's not true what we have today in this country in the united states is corporatism where basically certain government uh, the government agents uh, basically side up with their buddies in the corporate world and they they give them per, uh, perks and benefits it's just exactly what we were talking about in the first hour of the show uh that julia unfortunately was not able to join us for but we were talking about the uh the cable company slash phone company duopoly over internet access and how it is that the government restrictions are what it is that prevents new uh new players from getting into the marketplace so to look at that situation and call that capitalism is not, it's just not accurate because you are not free to take your capital into the marketplace and compete. If you're not free to do that, you don't have real capitalism. You know, um, the, the idea that even in uh, the Soviet Union, they, they had a communist party that ran a socialist country. So even the term communism has been bastardized, too. Um, capitalism, communism, obviously on separate ends of the scale. But socialism sort of covers a lot. You know, uh, it's, it's a big it's a big umbrella. State ownership of the means of production, I think, is what actually uh, defines socialism. But we have something very, very similar in this country. You know, it would be interesting to ask people 
And maybe I should make a note of this because uh, Sam from the Obscure Truth Network and I went out recently to uh, Keene State College and we asked some people some questions, right? And we asked, just basically took a bunch of young college kids and asked them all the same questions so we could turn it into a video product a little bit later on down the line. But we're, we're probably going to do it again and ask people uh, some more questions. So it'll be interesting to have people actually define, just kind of a man-on-the-street interview, what is capitalism? What is socialism? Just to get an idea for what people are thinking out there. What have they been told? What do they understand about these ideas? In fact, the Rasmussen poll, it's interesting that they go here. They say that it's interesting to compare the new results to an earlier survey in which 70% of Americans prefer a free market economy. So the fact that a free market economy attracts Mm. substantially more support than the term capitalism, so 70% free market, Uh, support the free market while 53 percent support capitalism so they're saying that uh, you know that may suggest some skepticism about whether capitalism in the united states today relies on free markets and this is just according to rasmussen's analysis it's kind of an interesting uh, direction that they went there and i'm glad they did other survey data supports that notion rather than seeing large corporations as committed to free markets two out of three americans believe that big government and big business often work together in ways that hurt consumers and investors and they'd be right on on that one too that's 66 percent of americans saying that corporations and governments are in bed together yeah that's what a corporation basically is it's businessmen getting in bed with the state in order for the state to protect those businessmen from liability that's all a corporation exists for to separate the businessmen from the liability that's all it is uh 15% of americans say they prefer a government managed economy similar to the 20% support for socialism just 14% believe that the federal government would do a better job running auto companies And even fewer believe government would do a better job running financial firms. Most Americans today hold views that can generally be defined as populist, while only 7% share the elitist views of the political class. What are the elitist views of the political class? I have no idea. I have no idea even what that means. But, I, I, you know, we've been... We have been taught very, you know, populism is is extraordinary, you know, it's it's very popular. Um, Well, what what the average everyday man wants is a good idea, and if if so, we would have a country where uh, you know the borders were very, uh, they were, you know, they'd be armed to the teeth, and people couldn't come across, and likely you'd have uh, marijuana very very much decriminalized, and you know things would be quite different in the United States than they are today. The government really doesn't listen to the people. I don't know if it'd be better or worse because you know I'm I'm not that I'm not that fond of what the average person thinks. I think that uh, people individually are are smart and the best people qualified you know the best individual qualified to handle their lives. But in groups, they're just dumb. You know, we look at some of these numbers on this on this survey. It shows that there is a pretty significant chunk of support for socialism in America. I mean, twenty percent. Uh, yeah, 20% saying socialism is better across the board. Of course, younger Americans more likely to support socialism. And I think that they should give it a shot. They should all move together uh, to one state, and they can have themselves a socialist state project. Go ahead and pick California while you're at it. seems like they're halfway there, and let's have them prove it. You know, go ahead, press, test a, a proof of concept. Show us just how great socialism can be, considering that uh, every other attempt that has ever been done has been an abject failure. But go ahead, give it another shot. Give it the old college try. See if you can make it work this time. And in the meantime, those of us who uh, who 
fervently support the free marketplace, who are willing to do more than just answer a question on a Rasmussen telephone survey about it, should also get together into the same place and show folks how it is that the marketplace can be set free and that we can have all of the wonderful things that people think is so great about government, like fire protection and and protect other uh, protection services and roads and things like that, without actually having a coercive agency, a violent monopoly providing those services. So we'll do our proof of concept here in New Hampshire. Freestateproject.org is the website. You can learn more about the idea of getting together with more like-minded people, or you can keep battling it out where you are, where the socialists inevitably seem to be winning over time, wherever else you are. More come up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's one 800 259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, totally free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the live streams. We've got a broadband version, dial-up version, and a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That is listen.freetalklive.com. You could join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. You can incorporate a business, create a will or living trust, even register a trademark. Any kind of common legal matter you can do at LegalZoom.com. You can use code FTL to save $10 off your order at LegalZoom.com. They're not lawyers, but they they do take a... legal direction from you, and they make it fast and easy for you. LegalZoom.com. We continue here taking your phone calls about whatever you want. Leon is in Minnesota. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Leon. Leon, are you there? Leon going once. Leon going twice. Let's try Mike in Maine. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Mike in Maine. Hey, how are you guys doing? You're on the air. Doing great. Hey, I just want, uh, you guys were talking about capitalism and socialism, and, uh, I thought it would be a good segue uh, to get into uh, the Employee Free Choice Act, and I was wondering if you guys could spend a little bit of time explaining what it is, what it would mean if it passed, and uh, where you guys stand on it and what your take is. You know, What is it again, Employment Free Choice Act? The Employee Free Choice Act. I think I spoke to you about this sort of recently. Is this the union thing? Yeah, yes. yes. And what, is this, what is it about? Julia, do you know? Well, honestly, I don't know that much about it. I will say that at the last manager meeting that we had for our district for the restaurant that I worked at, it was brought up, and all I know about it is basically that it would make it um it would make it easier to make like restaurants and things like that. Restaurants is obviously what i what me and and my company is concerned with, but it would make it easier for companies to be unionized, like you need less signatures or something like that. To become a union. Hmm. That's all I really know about it. It's but I can tell you that the restaurant association's pretty frightened by it. It's my understanding that uh, it would eliminate, uh, you know, closed ballot voting, uh, voting uh, for whether they want to go unionized or not, that so that they would have to, you know, vote out in the open and then they could pressure people and, and that kind of thing. So if you're going to vote against the union, then the union thugs could come and scare you basically into voting for the union is pretty much how it pretty much it could work. And so does it work to where uh, if, if employees just vote for a union, then the the company is forced to accept the union? It Couldn't the company just fire everybody? It doesn't actually even have to be a, a company. Like, they were telling us that if this law passed, that they would actually, individual stores within our district would be able to unionize. So there could be some union stores and some not union stores and in w- our company. Would there then be a penalty for, let's say, your, let's say your general manager 
let's say your employees decide to vote for the union and they get the right amount of people to do it. And then the general manager just says, no, nope, that's OK. You're all fired. Would there be some sort of provision yeah, I'm to sure prevent him from doing that? I'm sure there absolutely would be. I'm sure that's that would not be okay. Uh, Mike, what are we uh, on the right tra- right track with this? What do you know about this legislation? I don't I don't know really too much. Um, pretty much everything that you have said right now is pretty much what I know is uh, right now. I think the current law is that thirty uh, percent I think of the people uh, sign the card check that then the employer has the option to hold a secret ballot election. And I think now, well, the, with the Employee Free Choice Act, if it passes, I, Obama's really in favor of it. Um, mm-hmm. If it passes, that I think if they, it's either 30 or 50 percent, if they get those signatures on the car check, then the uh, workers have the right to form a union regardless of the secret ballot. They can still hold the secret ballot if they want to, but it's now in the hands of the employees to make that decision instead of a secret ballot, uh, you know, initiated by the employer. Uh, if that, Sounds so, like an yeah, awful yeah. idea. You were asking what we thought yeah. about it? It sounds it, terrible. It, in my opinion, um, first off, people shouldn't be required to join clubs, and that's what I consider a union, is a club. And, uh, you know, the clubs are... An expensive are, club. Right. Well, it's a, it's a group of people that have a common thing, to uh, you know, that they, they like to do, that they do together, and they should be able to get together and do their thing. That's fine. If they want to negotiate with the boss, that's fine. But you shouldn't be uh, with forced... With full consent. Right. You shouldn't be forced, and that's what 49% of those people that, right. you know, that didn't vote for it are going to be forced to join that union... If they didn't want it, and that's not fair. And it's forcing and, it on the business owner right. as well. And, and a business, you know, the, the business owner should be able to, as far as I'm concerned, hire and fire in the same way that an employee can, for whatever reason, decide to quit his job. An employer right. should be able should be able to, for whatever reason he wants, fire somebody. It, you know, I'll I'll take that to the ends of the earth as far as uh, for whatever reason the employer wants to. I think that that's so. Now, I also think that if an employer treats his employees badly or discriminates against a certain class of employee or something like that, that they should be uh, punished in the marketplace. I wouldn't yeah. go to an employer that says, well, I don't hire black people. I wouldn't go to I them. wouldn't shop there. Yeah, no. I wouldn't buy things from them. And employees, if they feel as though they're being mistreated, they always have the freedom to leave. And, of course, in a more free market environment, it wouldn't be that difficult for them to go out and start their own business. But going back to the protectionism that we were talking about before, it can be difficult to strike out on one's own and start a business if you don't know what all the regulations are and you can't afford to uh, to jump through the hoops. You know what I'm curious about, and I'm not, I'm not sure, maybe you know, do... Can you vote on – do you have a, the same vote if you're under 18 as you would for over 18? I mean, In a union vote? Yeah. In a union vote, do you have to be 18 to vote, or is it everyone who works there? That's a good question. Because of the majority of our employees are under 18, or at least mm. a, a large chunk of them, and that, mm. to me, would be – I mean, because I feel like a union person could come in, sell it to a high school kid really Easy. easily, yeah. and the high school kid wouldn't think about – Twice. Hey, if you vote for the union, it's you're an instant raise. You're going to get more raise. money. Instant, instant raise, raise, 12 bucks an exactly. hour. Up from eight. Who knows what they would sell? You know, who knows how they would pitch right. it? But yeah, I mean, high and school kids would fall our, right in line for that. That just, to me, the thought of my restaurant being unionized, nothing scares me more. I think that would be absolutely the worst thing that could ever happen to our business, and I Don't would Don't you quit. hate you? You hate your employees. I do, every single one of them. <laughs> Why do you say that's the worst thing that could happen to the business? Just when you think about, well, first of all, if you're in a union, one of the major down points is the the union fees. You get a huge chunk. I know Stop and Shop is a national grocery chain that is unionized, one of the few. And if you've ever 
talk to anybody who's worked at Stop and Shop, they'll tell you some horrifying stories. And a mm. huge chunk of your paycheck gets taken out for union fees. Right. But just as far as, I mean, I know that there would be restrictions on how many people, how many hours people could work. There'd be sort of, there's a tenure system, sort of. There are rules about if you've worked here this long, you must be have this many hours and like right mm. now i write the schedule so for it the doesn't crew. matter if you're a crap employee exactly it just lets employees be crappy so it turns your employees kind of into like uh teachers exactly teacher bureau- bureaucrats like teachers where as long as they've been there for a while they're in like flint right they can't essentially be removed right there's a certain amount of hours that you're required to schedule them if if they've that's been terrible. there a certain amount of time and, and things like it that. It also is and, difficult to fire them, and that's really a problem. And it's already More difficult, difficult enough yeah. to fire them. Right. When it, when it comes to, when, when you have an employee that uh, you can't get rid of, that employee isn't motivated to work as hard. And when you don't have incentives for people to work very hard, what do you get? You get something close to the government. Mike, any other thoughts for us tonight? No, no, that, that's pretty much it. I just uh, appreciate you guys uh, talking about yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for sparking that conversation because it sounds like, and I thank you for the call, it sounds like something that a lot of business owners are quit. pretty concerned about. I would quit. You'd quit as a manager. I would. I could not work for a union. I wouldn't have any interest in that at all. It would make my job ten times harder than it already is. Yeah, you know, I like the idea of skilled labor uh, being protected and, you know, protecting themselves in some way or another. And I think that, uh, you know, unions that didn't have the force of government behind them would could do that in the same way that guilds used to do that. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I, I, unions getting the, the power of government behind them, big mistake. 800-259-9231, your thoughts on unions or whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, uh, you can help support Free Talk Live by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in and reinvest it into the show and get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and help expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So do head over to amp.freetalklive.com, learn more about the AMP program, and get signed up with any major credit card, PayPal, or some of our alternative options, all at amp.freetalklive.com. As we continue with your phone calls, uh, whether you want to talk about your experiences, perhaps maybe working uh, within a union situation, uh, perhaps as uh, perhaps you were a manager, perhaps you were in the union, perhaps you were uh, having a union forced down upon you and you didn't like it, so you left. What was your situation? What do I mean? Julia says she's she'll quit her job uh, if they go unionized, and so I'm just wondering what other people have experienced out there. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Otherwise, we bring up or you bring up whatever you want. We go to uh, let's talk to Stephen in Colorado. Stephen, you're on Free Talk Live. Steven. Well, good evening. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? <clears throat> well, uh, I was going to talk about something else, but really briefly, I, I'm I'm with Julia. When I get my business started, or I should say restarted, uh, and if if I get enough employees and they want to unionize, I will actually shut the business down and then reopen it the next day under a different name. <laughs> that would <laughs> make sense. That. Would that, now, would that be legal? I am to it. Is, is I, you it, know, I don't, I don't know if it would be or not, but I would do it and just take a chance. Yeah. That, that's how opposed I am. To well, I feel like you probably are fortunate in that if you had your own business, that would be your call. I have, I work mm-hmm. for a 
pretty big company. I have no idea how they would handle that. I do know that yeah. the owners of the company are terrified of unions. Sure. Oh, yeah, they're terrible. They're just pernicious, and, and I mean, it, it, at some point, it just starts bleeding over into the evil side of perniciousness, you know, uh, with these unions. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, what I wanted to talk about, though, was um, something kind of more broad. Uh, we, people like us, Mark being a minarchist or whatever, Ian, voluntarist, me, I just go ahead and use the term anarchist or anarcho-capitalist, uh, and Julia, I'm not sure about you, but just in general, us as a group, people who believe in liberty, let's call us, are we patriots? And if we're not patriots, what is a patriot? Well, I mean, so, I don't want to... are you a patriot? <laughs> It's it's a tough question to answer, right? I mean, I guess it depends on yep. how you define patriot. I will say that today I had a nice phone conversation uh, with a program director who told me he believed I was, you know, one of the only true patriots in talk radio. That's so awesome. I'll take his word for it. The, you know, what kind of got me thinking about that was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me again, uh, I, I was working a job. Uh, I was in the oil industry until recently. Uh, and we used to work on uh, oil rigs. We'd go out to the rigs and repair them. And uh, when the rigs move, they just throw everything into what's called the doghouse. It's where all the controls are and everything are and where everybody meets for coffee or whatnot. And uh, one of the things that all oil rigs have is they have, they'll have a flag, an American flag or whatever country they are. And whoever moved this rig, whoever packed it up, uh, one of the guys – took the flag and threw it on the ground and there it was getting trampled on hmm. uh and it was quite dirty had a lot of footprints on it and there was a time in my life uh 10 years ago or more maybe where that would have been a fight i would have been ready to fight <laughs> somebody over that i mean physically fight them and man now i just looked at that and i was like it's just a piece of piece of cloth mm -hmm. it's amazing <laughs> you know, what 10 so, years uh, will do for you yeah I, I just wonder if that qualifies me as not a patriot you know if you have to be a a flag-suckling, bush-happy jackass. Well, I would, I would argue, I would posit that there is a difference between a nationalist and a patriot. And okay, I, think that, uh, I think that the kind of person who is going to see red at a flag being uh, trampled upon or something like that is most likely going to be a nationalist, somebody who holds the concept of nationhood higher than anything else, whereas somebody who is in, in favor of uh, – who, who is a patriot is one who is an adherent to the supposed founding principles of uh, the country, you know, the principle, the idea at least of freedom. Uh, I feel right. like there is a difference between the two. Right. I, I think that one – can uh, you know support what the founding fathers were trying to create here with this country, and you know, I, I consider those people to be patriots. However, if you uh, wrap yourself in the flag and uh, America, you, right or wrong, you, right, that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's right. not, that's not a patriot. Uh, I would say that's the exact opposite of a patriot. At least what a I, yeah, what I was taught in school. At least what what I was taught to believe a patriot was. Uh, I would say that's the exact opposite. So, uh, Julia, Mark, are you patriots? Um, I, I would consider myself a patriot, more patriotic than most. But I don't know about the nationalist term. The you know the thing that the people that you know say America right or wrong, really what they mean is America's government right or wrong. Yeah, that's so they're true. just dopes. I mean, they're not really, they're not even, you know, I, mean, I don't even know if I'm going to call them nationalists because they're supporting the government, not the nation. Well, I think nationalism right. is kind of dopey because I, it's, I, yeah, I, and 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 people like that, in my experience. They will they will use the words uh, uh, government, uh, society, and country and nation as if they're all synonyms. Interchangeably, yeah. As we all know, they're not. Uh, but what Mark, I uh, know actually Julia, what Julia said reminded me 
of a quote, and I don't know who said it, but it's something along the lines of, I'm going to paraphrase, um, a, the patriot must always be ready to defend his country against his government. So I don't know yeah. who said that, but it's brilliant. <laughs> I like it. So, Julia, are you a patriot? I would never, ever call myself a patriot. You it know, seems presumptuous. Well, to, to and do the that. thing is, okay, if someone were, to, if somebody, some nationalist were to throw, like, hey, you're not patriotic, you hate America, blah blah blah, in my face, I would say, you know, then my response may be something like, actually, I'm more patriotic than you. That mm-hmm. that that's would be sort of how I would feel about it. But would I ever call myself a patriot? No, I. The only thing I like about America is the original concepts that it was was founded on. I don't I mean and I like the some of the culture Which would make I guess you patriotic. here. I mean supposedly, sure. at least by but, my understanding of the term, but I think some people might believe patriot means nationalist. Yeah, it's hard to say. Words sort of lose their meanings and mean different things over time and I I just would never call myself that ever. Now, now, Julia, you, you like me, you come from the left originally, right? On the yes, oh spectrum. yes. Um, and, and I remember when I was, you know, a left-slash-liberal-democrat with probably strong socialist leanings, uh, I, often it was, I was accused of not being a patriot, and I would always try to respond with, oh yeah, no, no, I'm a patriot, and now, at the point where I am now, I don't even care. I mean, yeah. like doesn't even matter to me anymore. <laughs> no, I don't care either. Oh, I'm not a patriot? Oh, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about it as well. Very good. Stephen, any other thoughts for us tonight? That's it, man. I'll see you guys later. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Leon in Minnesota. Leon, we're going to try him again. Leon, are you there? I am. And you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? We, uh, I stumbled onto your radio station on the Internet, and I'm glad I did. Welcome. And I really enjoy the subject matter, talking about capitalism and I had some things to add. Sure. Uh, here in Minnesota, I'm a, uh, I work as a senior research fellow for the Minnesota Economic Policy Institute. Okay. We work with some lawmakers here and, and business leaders. And there is some interesting legislation in Minnesota before uh, the House and Senate. And if you wanted to look it up on the... I don't find legislation to be interesting. Yeah, I, I hate reading laws. <laughs> I can't stand it's it so personally. Awful. Can you give us yeah. the executive summary? Yes, I'd, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Uh, right now, in, in terms of capitalism, we don't have capitalism in our country. That is true. We define capitalism as uh, the people owning the means of production and with a heavy social recognition on individual rights, including property rights. And here's why we don't have capitalism uh, here in this country. is the people don't own their money. People just rent it from the banking system. That's one reason. The other reason is because you can't just go out and use your capital to do what you want with it. You have to beg permission from some government bureaucrats in most true. cases in order to start your own business. So as long as there's government and regulations, you can't have true capitalism. You can't have a free yeah. marketplace if there is a government. You have to uh, you have to get a license to trim somebody's fingernails. <laughs> yeah, so you have to haircut, that's not right? a joke. That, but, no, it's not a joke. But it's, my point is, yes, if we didn't have to rent our money, we would own our money, we would have uh, money coming into the system that was interest-free, and people would begin to experience the liberty this country was founded on. Yeah, and they'd be, able to, they'd be able to actually save their value and not have it stolen through the process of inflation. Glad you found the show. Welcome aboard. Thank you for the call tonight. More on the way. You bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in, bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And I would like to uh, point out that in regards to those free features, uh, one of those is the updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Go to freetalklive.com and find the adult friend finder banner. It's the world's largest adult social networking site and sex personals over 19 million members. Let Mark, this is terrible. What? Let them help you find that sexy someone to hook up with tonight. Adult friend finders see their banner that? at freetalklive.com. I'm not so talking about like the grammar. wording. I'm talking about your grammar and your added letters in here. You can't just hand somebody this and ask them to read it for the first time. It's terrible. I even tried to correct it, it for. I tried to correct it for. But well, you, there's like letters inserted in there. I'm sorry. Are you going to have to start sending your copy to me, Mark, for proofreading? Just what do you so want we can make sure. I'm just trying to make things easier. That's all. All right, adult friend finder banner. I was on not mocking Live. the words of the that's of the good. ad because you might need a sexy someone to hook up with tonight. I might Go need a sexy someone to hook up with tonight. Finder. At the banner at freetalklive.com. All right, so we continue with your phone calls and talk to Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, good evening, everyone. Hey, What's on your mind? Yeah, I wanted to uh, just clarify some definitions and assumptions regarding capitalism and socialism from a purely economic sort of point of view or discourse. Uh, the characteristics of capitalism or a market economy were first described by Adam Smith, the moral philosopher, in his famous text, The Wealth of Nations, published in uh, 1776. And it served as a model and a critique as unregulated capitalism was practiced in 18th century England. However, I use that term as did Adam Smith very carefully, because there always was regulation with the crown. You know, the crown gave warrants to individuals that were allowed to conduct commerce. Some individuals were blessed with the warrant, others were not. So you had already a stratification of ownership and the right to produce. And ultimately, uh, the, we have to realize, as you and I have mentioned over the last few years, that the notion of a free market never existed. And while it's attributed to Adam Smith, he never called for an unregulated free market. In fact, he understood as a moral philosopher that man, uh, as, just as Hobbes uh, articulated, really had many problems, and that uh, the individual should be watched as should any corporation or any business. But who, uh, who well. watches? It shouldn't Frank? just be given free reign. He was very concerned about that because. He, Wait a minute. He, hold on. Hold on. Who watches? If if the individual should be watched, who should be the watcher? Well, he never specified that. That was one of the, the most interesting things. People or people assumed that he was talking about some form of regulation, right? And that and would there be an was error. Regulation in my with the crown and the system of warrants and the ability to tax and I all think, of these these issues. But he did use the term the invisible hand, which was sort of like a collective uh, group uh, event or providence. Uh, since he was a moral philosopher, we know that he took that concept from sort of like divine providence. Whatever happens, there's divine providence, or there's this invisible hand that allows for events to happen without having to analyze them. 
but what I did want to say that's very important. Well, before you go on, uh, before you go on to what you did want to say, I just want to talk briefly about the idea of somebody overseeing what it is that these corporations or individuals are doing. And I am absolutely in favor of the idea of people watching the business activities of others to make sure that they are on the up and up and that sort of thing. And I think that the the presumption that most people might make is that well that should be the government, but it shouldn't be because as we've seen, what happens there is that the corporations just get in control of the state they influence it to the point where they're not watching the corporations they're watching everybody else who might want to start their own company and preventing them from doing it whereas if what we had was a true free marketplace and no governmental authorities or regulate uh, regulators to speak of then the watchers would be the marketplace there would be uh, consumer groups for instance consumer reports and other groups like that that are the watchdog groups that would pay attention to the business activities of the individuals and the the uh, the companies in the marketplace and they would you know raise a red flag when they saw something undesirable going on and of course they could team up with with uh, news agencies and they could do reports on the unscrupulous activities and that would do that would do a lot more to allow for a free marketplace and at the same time protect consumers than any sort of government regulation not necessarily because if you have a privately owned uh, corporate media that we have in the United States, that may be an idea, but it will not necessarily happen. There's no guarantee that the media or corporate watchdogs would exist or have any power. Well, those, Which, those watchdogs finish, exist today. Well, you have to realize that when Smith was dealing with his concept of the wealth of nations and the invisible hand and capitalism, uh, he already the, the world has already seen 200 years of of major corporate power and hegemony with, let's say, the Dutch East India Company, the British uh, East and West India Companies, that really were multinational corporations that... And they were in bed with the state. ...took capital from the private sector and the crown, and... Well, those companies, those wait a minute, Frank. Went out and colonized the world and set up industries. Those companies were in bed with the state, and those media agencies you're talking about, as far as today's situation is concerned, those media entities are also in bed with the state because they have licenses from the FCC. So it's a limited marketplace. There's no guarantee that we wouldn't have a system like a black market, whereby the person that has the most money and the ability to corrupt and then can swing military power or violence can determine the market. I mean, just look at what happens whenever you have, let's say, a regulated or deregulated market economy. And you'll see a very strong, uh, let's say, uh, what do we call it, a black market. And you'll uh, see Can you give me an example? It seems to me the black market only exists in, pro, in a prohibition status. Well, the point is this. We're dealing with an intellectual construct. And we have to realize that the, that the uh, free markets as sort of defined by Adam Smith and other economists and monetarists, never really existed. I'll agree with and you on that point. And it's an illusion and a fantasy. So in a sense, it's nothing but a social construct or a possibly a mem. It's an ideal group, at collective, this point. Uh, formation. And what's interesting, one characteristic of capitalism that is guaranteed is it allows the corporation to have the powers of a, a sovereign living individual with no. the ability to no, that's go a back. Corporate How would system. How would capitalism... A social system no, Frank, no, Frank that's that. just not so. The only thing that can grant uh, you, know, a, a, you know, a person immunity from uh, prosecution would be a government, right? The point is a corporation exists 
within the structure of capitalism. No, and sir, it does not. No, it doesn't, Frank. No, allow me to no, explain. No, I'm correct about this. You are it's not correct cor- about this. A well, corporation exists because the government has created the, the, the concept in the first place. The government okay. allows corporations to exist. Otherwise, it's just a, it's just a file folder. The government's the, the agency that empowers these businessmen to hide behind that file folder and not have any responsibility or liability. The government from the days of primitive men and tribes with the tribal chieftain supervising over the market, whether it was a market for animals Understood. or grain. The point is this government and capitalism and the formation of capital have always gone hand in hand. Agreed. We can go back to ancient Babylon and the Babylonians and we can see the first uh, use of money, the first uh, use of a market, and the first use of the capital formation as defined by uh, you know, any economic structure or system. So these go back you know, uh, as long as man existed, and even before nations and states existed, people existed in social groupings known as tribes. And, you know, this is something. So in a sense, the point I want to make, mm-hmm. that under socialism, there is no guarantee or the construct of a corporation that has all of the rights and privileges of a living individual with the opportunity to declare bankruptcy and to lose capital and well, then to no, reform the means, capital. The that's a pro- very interesting structure, and that's something that really should be looked at. Under socialism, and, Frank, the government owns the means of production, and you'll take correct. what they give or, or, you'll, or you'll die. That's Screw correct, you. I mean, that's, the point you know, is the, they don't need to be protected. There's no guarantee for a corporation or a corporate entity that exists under true capitalism. Under the free marketplace, there's no such thing as corporations. No, Thank you, Frank, for the call. No, how could there be a corporation? A of a capital or a market-driven economy. No, sir. Corporations are a result of the government creating a, uh, a, a essentially a legal fiction in order to protect their buddies in industry. That's a all corporations are. Has more power. Backed up by the men with guns. The only reason corporations have those privileges is because the men with guns in government are willing to back them up. The the whole concept only exists because of the existence of the state, which in itself is a fantasy. Thank you, Frank. We're out of time for you. Thank you, though. 800-259-9231. The state itself is a fantasy, and it came up with the concept of corporations, which is also a fantasy. Hour 3 coming up. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please, take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into Hour 3 of the program. You can dial toll-free and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those totally free at freetalklive.com. Before we move on with more of your phone calls, Mark, you wanted to uh, jump back and recap briefly what Frank was saying there before we went away in the second hour and comment. Right. Well, I don't disagree with what Frank was saying. uh, What was he saying? as, As far as capitalism 
basically capitalism denotes the system that we have had of uh, you know s- sort of free trade attached to government freer trade attached to government as opposed to the government being more more invasive and i i sort of you know i i think he i think he made a great point that uh, perhaps the the you know capitalism itself has always denoted that uh, the government has protected corporations and and the business people from the from their actions um that you know and and maybe capitalism's not the best word to describe the free market now, I will agree with that it's not, I, I don't I didn't hear him saying that part um, he was just basically defining capitalism as Frank would define right. it. Uh, but yes, and that goes back to something I said last hour, and that is that uh, I support the free marketplace so that we can see what truly best works. I happen to be a believer in the idea of being able to be free with one's own capital and invest it and do things with it. I consider that capitalism. Obviously, Frank's and my definitions of capitalism differ, which is one of the reasons why I don't tend to use the term capitalism in an everyday conversation. I don't want to be associated with the corporatism that cap- Capitalism today seems to be defined as, and so you're correct. Uh, capitalism is not the free marketplace because the free market encompasses all possible options that don't involve coercion. So, yeah, I'm with him to that extent. If that was what he was saying, you're saying that's what he was saying. Well, I don't know. To if some that's extent, what he was that's what he was saying. All right. So we continue with your phone calls here and talk to Matt in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Matt. Hi guys. How you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? I want to just also chime in a comment on what Frank said. Um, I think Frank was kind of implying that uh, in a free market economy, corporations would become very powerful and take over, and they'd be just as bad as big government. And I think you guys were trying to talk them out of it, uh, but I don't think you convinced them. So let me let me try to convince them. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I think basically it's the distinction between a company versus a corporation. So in mm-hmm. the free market economy, there would be lots of companies. But there wouldn't be any corporations, right? Right. How could there and be a corporation? Exactly. Exactly. The, the whole idea is it's a legal fiction invented by government. And one of the central ideas, I think, is that the individual stockholders of a corporation are not legally liable for any nasty thing that a corporation might do, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if I own stock in a company and they do a terrible thing and kill people and cause lots of property damage... Um, the value of the company might go down a little bit, but I would never be sued personally. You can even get, you're absolutely right, you can even get corporations, New Mexico, for instance, offers corporations that you don't even know who the owner is. Exactly. You just don't even know. There's no way to find out unless you actually, actually track down the man holding the uh, the ownership paperwork. So he can do business under that corporate name and nobody will have any idea who he is. Exactly. So the, these like special rights that are granted to the government have nothing to do with, with freedom, nothing to do with uh, free markets. It, it's a government-type thing. Yep. And the, the government does it a lot. They invent ideas, and then people think that it's somehow natural in the market. Like, for example, HMOs, as I understand it, were kind of an idea invented by the government uh, in the late 60s and early 70s. Mm-hmm. And so... They may they may or may not arise in a free market, but HMOs is, are completely constructed. The whole idea is constructed by government, so it probably wouldn't. Um, another example is remember the XL, Exxon Valdez uh, disaster. Sure. Um, so they have these special sweetheart laws for corporations that their their legal liability is limited to the loss of the oil, and they weren't required to you know make restitution for all the the property damage they did. Mm. Of course, that would never happen in a market. If a company did a terrible thing like that, they would have to pay, you know, whatever it costs to make people whole again. Yep. 
So, again, it's just a distinction between companies versus corporations that I think he has to get straight in his mind. I think you nailed it. Any other thoughts tonight, Matt? That's it. Thanks, Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. And it's easy to be confused. It's easy to be confused by that. I mean, if you were if you were born and raised in this country and you you've always heard the term corporations, it's easy to presume that a corporation is a business because most businesses are corporations. Free Talk Live is not. This is a business that does not have a corporation attached to it. And so it's not necessarily true that all businesses are corporations. It's just that most of the ones that you interact with on a daily basis are. You go to Walmart, that's a corporation. Uh, you know, every restaurant probably is a corporation. Every uh, business that you walk into is likely incorporated because that's just the system. There, there are so many incentives for business owners to incorporate. And the number one reason is for the protection. I mean, who wouldn't want to uh, be protected from liability? Who, who, what business owner wouldn't want that privilege? So it's out there for them. They use well, that it, privilege. They're, they're almost they're, they're almost required to at this point in this litigious That's society. Um, it's you know it's very difficult to run a business. I've got to say I'm protected through a corporation, um, my assets and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, sue Free Talk Live and have fun trying to get the money and you know you know the, the, the no money, um, but. Uh, you know, my assets are protected by a corporation. Thank you very much, because well, I you know I don't need it put on the line because somebody decides to sue the sh- you know sue me or sue the show or sue whatever over some silly thing that's said on said on the radio. Yeah. You know, one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. Now we talked last hour about unions. And, of course, uh, we pointed out that, and Julia pointed out that there's this tenure situation where if you've worked for, if you're in a unionized company and you've worked there for a long enough time, then you pretty much just can't be fired. You can't have your hours cut beyond a certain point, and they, they just lock these, these people in, which uh, maybe we can tie that into a discussion of unemployment, which is uh, pretty high in this country right now. In fact, Mark, you, you say you've got some more accurate statistics as to what the true unemployment rate is here in the United States. Yes. And I'm sure that these kind of numbers upset people to the point where they would call for laws that would prevent people from being fired. I mean, they, this is the mentality of Americans, right? It's, they're taught it in government school. The government indoctrination camps teach kids, well, if you were elected to the legislature or if you were president, what laws would you make? And so the kids can identify. Well, it's important to car stop for ducks yeah. crossing the road. <laughs> yeah. So, so the kids can identify the problems so they can identify that, oh, unemployment, bad. We don't want unemployment, so let's force people to not fire people. I mean, that will solve the unemployment problem, right? Right. Hasn't worked for France. You shouldn't be able to fire somebody who's got a family to support and stuff. The problem well, then there what is... You, what you end up with is you end up with a lazy guy who's not incentive, incentivized to do his job. Uh, you know, I mean, that family that I've got incentivizes me to work harder. You know, whereas yeah. I might decide I want to sleep in till 11 o'clock, in, uh, you know, in the morning. I've got to get up and I've got to make telephone calls to get advertising for Free Talk Live so that I can make money so I can feed my child. So, you know, I think the incentives that families provide are good. I understand how people feel about their jobs, and, you know, I get that. But that's one of the problems with working for someone else. It's, you know, you you, you rely on them. Over in France, they make it very difficult for business owners to fire the people that they brought on board. Yes, they also make it very difficult to produce anything of value um, in, a, you know, right. in, a, in an entirely socialist, uh, you know, country, country like France. You just don't... 
you don't find products of 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 real value. Fiat is is that a is that a car, a known, car? is that is that a car known for its uh you know uh, you know great manufacturing manufacturing capabilities or whatever? I mean no, it's I, the the only thing I've ever heard about Fiats and these are the older ones and I don't know about the the newer ones because I haven't seen one in a long time or is you know I've just heard about the older ones they were junk. These, of course they were less socialist back then. So laws, I don't have an explanation. Laws that insulate people from being fired essentially bring the quality of the employees down to the lowest common denominator. I mean, can you imagine, Julia, as a manager at a restaurant, what it would be like if you couldn't even fire people at all, if you couldn't fire your worst employees? I mean, you've said on the air that it's difficult already in this country with the rules that we already have, even in New Hampshire, to fire people because of all the litigation that could possibly happen and because they'll run to the government and they'll complain or whatever. But imagine not even being able to fire these folks. What would that do? It's already so bad. Like I said, I would just quit. It it would be impossible for me to do my job decently. It would be impossible for me to take any amount of pride in my work. And then they'd have to hire somebody or they'd have to promote somebody else who's not as good as you, bringing the whole quality of the, uh, the restaurant down. So that's what I'm saying, that you know, the average employee becomes even lower quality than they currently are today under this current system. More coming up. We'll talk unemployment in moments. This is Free Talk Live. You dial in, bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free. So enjoy those, uh, again, totally free at freetalklive.com, including the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. Free. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now, or in this case, live radio show, depending on which way you're listening. Audible has over 60,000 titles to choose from. Every genre, Audible has it covered. You can get a free Audible or an audiobook download when you sign up today, but you have to go through our special link. Otherwise, you don't get the free book, and you want a free MP3, you know, a free podcast of a book, right? Who doesn't? What book lover would not it's, like an audiobook? Right, it's 60,000 different titles. Audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. So, FTL like Free Talk Live. Audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That will get you a free audiobook from Audible. And I encourage you to uh, you know, do this quickly because it's sort of a limited time offer kind of thing. Limited, and okay. It, well, it is currently. I mean, maybe they'll come on and, and, and make that offer again, but they've, you know, they've purchased a very short-term package from us to kind of see how things go for them. And that's the other reason. <laughs> if a whole bunch of people download free books, a whole bunch of Free Talk Live listeners download free books mm-hmm. um, at this uh, web address here at uh, audiblepodcast.com slash FTL is in Free Talk Live, um, then well, obviously they'll think, oh, this is working. And so, it would be working. It would be working, right. Audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. So there you go. 800-259-9231. Don't ever say we never did nothing for you. We continue here, and uh, you can bring out whatever you want. Todd in Michigan, you're on Free Talk Live on the amp line. Hello, Todd. Hey, Ian. Hi, hey. guys. How's it going? What's on your mind tonight? Hey, um, well, I just wanted to talk about what you were talking before you went to commercial break about uh, many employers and many companies and specifically Fortune 500 companies that find themselves in a very 
uh, precarious um, predicament, if you will, about firing employees, and I can tell you why. Have any of you ever taken uh, a class in, say, human resource management? Yes. Okay. You know what they tell you in human resource, um, in the human resources in general, is that you can't fire a um, number of employees because, well, if you're, let's say, for example, you, um, 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 you're handicapped or you're pregnant, or let's say, for example, you could be of, uh, say, a certain kind of religion or a certain kind of orientation. You've got, we've got so many laws on the books and so many regulations that make it uh, impossible to fire people based on their disability, uh, their sexual orientation, their merit, um, marital status, their race, and state and federal laws actually go into this. But, the, the, but, but what's really bad about this is that regulations have created a, a huge cost and burden on so many companies. We're talking OSHA regulations, HIPAA regulations, ARISA regulations, even the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Family and Medical Leave Act. All of these laws and regulations have basically compounded the problem, which is why it's difficult for companies to fire people, uh, especially if they're uh, say, handicapped. And also, not just that, but also make it very difficult to hire them, um, especially if, some, if someone is, is handicapped, because it's because a lot of these people are in a position where um, if you're handicapped, for example, you um, are nothing but a walking lawsuit. And mm, I remember even Penn and Teller's BS one time, um, where you can't hire people because of, you know, if you're handicapped, say you, you only got maybe one arm, and, 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 and of course, it runs the gamut. I mean, all these laws and regulations, it's just nonsense and just crazy. So when you've got, like, sexual harassment laws, that also com um, compounds the problem as well. Um, Julia, uh, I mean, what have you experienced in the training classes that uh, that they've been telling you about? I mean, uh, if you can share any of that with us, as far as some of the absurdities of hiring and firing, is there anything in particular that that you can you can highlight for our listeners? You mean as far as situations? Yeah, what you can and can't do. Uh, I mean, I know that when you're hiring people, there's certain questions you can't right. ask. Uh, when well, you're there are all people, kinds of ludicrous questions you cannot ask. Like you can't ask somebody. If they are married, you can't right. ask any religious questions like that. You can't ask people like about pregnancies and things like that. You cannot ask somebody their age, which is weird to me because there are age requirements as far as, you know, <laughs> there are all kinds of freaking laws out there and you have to be this age. So you can work this many hours and this age you can work this many hours, mm -hmm. but you can't find out how old they are until you hire them, which we always ask anyway. And I guess that's a, that, that's illegal technically, but I mean, we have to know if they're old enough to work for our company. But that's illegal, which is weird. Um, and as as far as firing is concerned, basically, we can fire someone for any reason, but we have to have right. so much documentation and paperwork to back it up, and they can still take it to court and sue us wait, wait, or try wait, wait, to. When you say any reason, you don't mean that because uh, you can't fire somebody because they're pregnant, and you can't fire right. somebody because no, they're going like, into the military. And... No, 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 you, no, no, no. You certainly cannot right. do anything like that. I mean, as far as the normal reasons you would want to fire someone, like, like they're not a good worker, service. bad customer service, right. tardiness on a regular basis. That's right. 
we have to basically CYA. We have to cover ourselves and back it up with mounds of paperwork to say, like, look, we've been documenting this person's behavior for a whole year and they yeah. suck. And they can still come back. So one instance of uh, really poor customer service is not good enough? No, I mean, that's definitely not. not. Definitely so, not. Wait, so, no, yes, did you know that if you do hire employees, and of course you've got to go through the whole training about uh, many companies require you know sensitivity and diversity training programs, by the way. But when you go into, um, let's say you're in orientation and you've got to go through um, exactly what you're expected to know on the job, companies are required to make sure that employees are given a healthy and safe working environment because of OSHA regulations. If, well, what's um, wrong with having a healthy and safe working environment? I mean, there's nothing nothing inherently uh, wrong with that. And I think right. most employers would want to do that because, well, if you have a good, safe working environment, you attract better workers. But the thing is, when the government mandates it, uh, they can hit you a huge fine. Like uh, I was told in my last human resources class, um, you can be hit with a $500 fine if, um, if, if they can actually see that you're not up to their specifications, their satisfaction, if you will. And that's one of those things that, and I thank you, Todd, for the call tonight, that's one of those things that opens the door for targeting of businesses. So, so. Yeah, I'm with the whole idea of having a safe working environment, but I think the marketplace will automatically, through competition, provide those things. Actually, I have to say, because I work at, I think I can say this on the air where I work, right? Because it's been You've said, said it before. A times. It's, everyone knows where I work. I work at Panera Bread, and I work for a specific franchise of Panera Bread, and I've worked at several different uh, Panera franchises in the company. And I got to tell you, I think that I work for one of the best. Uh, companies that I've ever worked for, and uh, but are they doing it to uh, uh, comply with no, OSHA? They go above and beyond. They do not just do the bare minimum to comply. Whoa! Hey, there goes her microphone. We're going to come back with more. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for three dollars a month and get some cool bonuses at amp. FreeTalkLive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You dial up, bring up anything, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us online at FreeTalkLive.com. All the features are completely free on the website, so enjoy those on us, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience, totally free at FreeTalkLive.com. According to the Computer Privacy Handbook, Normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. Put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative. You can go over and get a free account today at privacyharbor.com because normal email is not secure. Privacyharbor.com. As we continue with your phone calls, Dan is in New Hampshire, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dan. Hi. Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? I uh, wanted to tell my story about uh, working in the uh, UAW back in the seventies. Okay, you and uh, it was it was it was ridiculous. Uh, you know, I mean, when I worked, it wasn't such a big deal because we had a line that went, and we had to do something every six and a half seconds, and it didn't matter, you know what. Uh, <laughs> but there were there was a buddy of mine uh, that graduated from high school with me, and. Um, mm-hmm. He went to uh, a Chrysler plant nearby, and uh, and 
you know, he went there and he was working hard and doing what he was supposed to do, he thought. And and what he ran into was a problem with some of the other union workers where mm. uh he was feeding uh you know, they made uh sheet metal parts and there you know, it was a big stamping machine and you know, one guy would feed the blank in, the other guy would pull the stamped part out. Okay. And you know, and the machine ran so fast. And, you know, my friend Terry, it was his idea that, well, you know, we should run it as fast as we can keep it going. It's a heck of a piece of equipment, you know, and, uh, you know, you got a building, you got a, you know. I mean, he was he was operating as, as somebody who wanted to, you know, forward the... Uh, the productivity the of, the, yeah, of the company. the productivity, the purposes of his, the company, you know. Make money, so the machine know, could have been run faster, but was not. Right. No. And 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 what happened was that the people that had to take the stuff off started getting pissed at him because they were he was running it faster than they were used to. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know the specifics of you know the task that they had. I'm, I'm sure that they just had to grab the part and probably put it in some sort of a rack, and it would move on to the next. Uh, uh, station, but uh, uh, I mean this. I guess, and and he was a uh, kind of a stubborn kid, and uh, he just kept on doing what he wanted to do, and uh, you know, eventually uh, they beat him up in the parking lot, <sighs> and then he got fired for fighting. Wow! So <laughs> they started the fight. Did they get fired? Do you know that part of the story, or was it just him? Uh, you know, I, they probably disappeared, and you know, he was there bleeding and. You know, they, you know, nobody uh, admitted or whatever. And I, wow. you know, I, I, you know, I can't, you know, I, I don't know what happened to the others, but I know that, that he got fired. And, and I mean, it's like, well, you put, he put their, he, he, he put them in jeopardy to some extent, right? Because, you know, if the, if the job gets done quicker, then they might have to go home earlier or something like that. And that means less, uh, less pay. I don't know. I'm speculating. No, no, they got their eight hours no matter no what. Matter what? Uh, okay. You know, it, you know that was the way it worked. Uh, there was it wasn't piecework or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, no uh, no union would ever put up with that. Heaven so, forbid you get paid for what you do. So even if they ran out of uh, machine parts to process, they would still have to just stand around and collect money for just standing around, basically. Yeah, idea? well, they had they had occasional layoffs, uh, you know, and shutdowns and stuff like that. Which uh, then you would get uh, you would get. Sub pay, or you get some, you know, some portion of your pay, which was, you know, not half of it, but you know, three quarters, or I can't remember what, but a lot, most, most of you get ninety percent or something like that, eighty, ninety percent. You yourself were also a part of the United Auto Workers. Yes, yes, I worked for Ford Motor Company on a rear end uh, assembly line. How, where, uh, how does it work? I mean, as far as Julia mentioned earlier, the amount of money they take out of a paycheck, she doesn't really know because she hasn't worked for a union group. I've never worked for a union anything. Mark, have you ever been unionized? No. Nope. At any point, what what kind of percentage are they taking out of the uh, the paycheck? They took two hours pay a month. Okay. So and, like fifty uh, bucks a month or something like that, basically. Well, I I started out at uh, three dollars and sixty one cents an hour. Oh, okay, wow. Which, which was good money back in uh, nineteen seventy. So in nineteen seventy, three sixty one was union pay, huh? Right. Wow. Exactly. Times they have a changed. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> no those kidding. numbers seem a lot lower than anything I've ever heard about union fees. Yeah, aren't unions well, making like you know, eighteen I mean, twenty five you know, something like that in, these days? 
inflation has is, 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 is taken its huge bite out of the value of the dollar. So, you know, that's that's the difference between then and now. Three three sixty one an hour with uh, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield and you know uh, Holiday and you know Union Protection was. Uh, Considered to be pretty good at the time. Dan, I want to thank you for sharing your story tonight, and thank you for the call. One other thing, may I bring up? Uh, 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 David Ray Griffin is speaking tomorrow night uh, about uh, 9-11 revisited in uh, Keene. Okay, well, this is a national radio show, so I doubt anybody's really too interested in that. And oh, I, you got a lot of I don't really know of anybody who are... Yeah, I don't know very many people in Keene that are into the whole 9-11 conspiracy thing, but I, I think... Well, go to Free Keen. Well, then, then yeah, there you go. Go to, go to, to FreeKeen.com, Dan. You can post that over there on the, the forums there, and I thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. I know I certainly don't give a flip about the, uh, the 9-11 conspiracy theory. Some things. do. Some people do. Sure, but uh, we can't allow folks to call in and say, "Well, I'm over here in, uh, you know, Stockton, California, and somebody's having a speech, and you should come out." It's just sorry, doesn't work for an international show. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can bring up whatever you want. Let's talk to Alberto in Texas. Alberto, you're on Free Talk Live. It's Alberto, but uh, it's all right. Um, it's ha- it's how do you pronounce? Alberto, like a hill. Gilberto. Got it. Like run over the hill, Gilberto. Gotcha. It was not pr- it was not spelled that way, Gilberto. So what's on your mind? <laughs> Hold on. Uh, yeah. How how do you spell Hilberto? Because you can't yeah, use it. Gilberto H. with a no at the end. No, no. The the first letter. It's G in Spanish. Gilberto. G I L. Gilberto. Okay. G I L B E R T O. Gotcha. Yes. Gilberto. Gilberto. Okay. Got it. Hey, yeah, it's just Gilberto in in Spanish. But anyways, what I'm calling about is that it's just I'm blown away by the fact that uh, right now is a time when uh, when we've got the worst jobs reports in uh, since in in recorded history. Uh, really. Uh, since they since they've uh, t- taken record uh, wow. in the forties, yeah. So after uh, the depression, post depression, right, correct. Since okay. they started taking the records of uh, of jobs reports, and uh, you know everything seems like it's falling apart. Yet we've had the best five weeks in the stock market that we've ever had, and 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 it's just I, I'm starting to think that the market is rigged because uh, you know, for example, today uh, supposedly Wells Fargo made money. Uh, and and the best quarter ever, and I'm thinking, does, doesn't it? Are they? Am I on a different planet, or am, I, or am I reading too much alternative news? I mean, everybody's talking about in the alternative news about how um, for these companies, these banks like Wells Fargo have more invested in the scam called derivatives than the companies are worth. Well, and, derivatives uh, uh, de- derivatives aren't really a scam. They're kind of like gambling. They are uh, they they are um, uh, commodities turned up a notch, essentially. So uh, you, you're gonna you're gonna win some days and you're gonna lose some days. Um, I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know that that necessarily says that they're somehow insolvent. Why would a smart company? Why would why would these people that do investments in the smart companies decide? Well, let's put our money in uh, something that's going to lose us money. Well, it, it was making them a lot of money. Yeah. But uh, you know what they say: give them enough rope, and they'll hang themselves. They just had too much. Well, this this kind of a well, it, you know, whether I call it a bit of a scam because they really weren't providing or, or or doing anything. It's just it was a loophole for them to make more money out of nothing. Well, I mean, but, it's, uh, that's what investing what I, investing sort of is. That um, you right. Know, I mean, well, Gilberto, I I think you have hit on it to some extent. There is a certain. Um, uh, negative aspect to the alternative news uh, financial news like you know they what they 
they their cognitive dissonance sort of says, well, this government is bad, and so therefore things are going poorly, and we have proof. So they, they sort of show the proof that the government is doing poorly, and they don't show the things that, you know, that things are going okay. Free Talk Live has had its best month ever last month. Hey, that's good news. Thanks, Gilberto, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231 is the stock market rigged, though. I'm not sure. I know Wayne would bring up the plunge protection team as uh, something to mention. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call if you make it now. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Uh, so, Mark, we never actually got to the unemployment story. Let's jump into that since the phones are clear at the moment. Oh, well, well great. Um, so it's it's called the real unemployment rate. And you might think that this is, uh, you know, this is some article from some, you know, fringe website or, or whatever talking about bad news. But, in fact, this is MSN.com uh, and uh, under okay. the New Investor Center. So what we've heard recently, uh, as far as unemployment is concerned... I don't know what the nationwide numbers are, but I remember hearing that California was one in ten unemployed. Well, it's uh, the well, uh, it's right here in the article. So this is by Catherine uh, Holahan. The real unemployment rate try fifteen point six percent. The official U.S. Wow. jobless rate is now eight point five percent, and it excludes millions of people. Among those who have given up on finding work, and those forced into working fewer hours so hold on than, a they, second. than they'd like. You're saying that if you are, if you were looking for work but then give up, you're no longer considered unemployed? That's correct. <laughs> um, look, for instance, uh, you know, my, I, I guess my wife does have a job, but it's not much of one. She uh, sort of works remotely and does a few hours a week at uh, the, the medical office she used to work at, just mm-hmm. kind of does the billing and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, she's not looking for work. Should she be considered in the unemployment rate? Uh, well, if she's working, then she's she's not well, unemployed. Let's say she's not, and um, you know she she does she isn't putting in those couple of hours a week that yeah. she puts in. Let's say she's not, and she's not looking for a job either. Should she be considered in the unemployment rate? I would think so. Okay. Well, um, different people have different opinions on that, and obviously right. the people that uh, want to make the unemployment rate look as low as possible do not want to count her. The people like the government, right? Yeah. And so I mean, she wouldn't even be counted in this fifteen point six percent number either. So anyway, let's go on. An 8.5% uh, unemployment rate is unmistak- unmistakably bad. It's the highest rate since 1983, a year that saw double-digit unemployment, nearly 30 commercial bank failures, and more than 15% of Americans living below the poverty line. But the real national unemployment rate is far worse than the U.S. Department of Labor's March figure announced today sh- um, that it shows. What? That's uh, because the official rate doesn't include the three... million plus people who are reluctantly working only part-time because of the poor labor market. So they'd rather have a full-time job, but just because... They're underemployed. They've been cut to, you know, eight hours a week or something like that. 
It doesn't include the workers who have given up scouring want ads for seemingly non-existent jobs. And you'll find that when, you know, there's, there's stories from all over the nation, when they have some kind of uh, big job fair, the place is just packed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be people waiting outside at 5 o'clock in the morning in some cases. So it's, it's been crazy. There are a lot of people that are unemployed. Um, I, I, up here in this community, it seems like there are more, there are jobs available. You know, there's, I, I don't know. So I don't know, uh, you know, I, I, this isn't an issue that's affecting me. I'm not going to say one way or the other Um, i can say that we have tons of applications coming in on a regular basis are you hiring we're not right now okay but we i mean we have no shortage of applications coming in you get the pick of the cream of the crop yeah we do it's actually pretty much the only plus that i can think of right off the bat of the unemployment being so high is that we get to be a lot choosier about who we hire now it's a nice uh, perk well that's that's a little that's a little message to those of you who are looking for jobs (laughs) You know, yeah, sell present yourself. Your, present Please. yourself as something that uh, someone wants to hire. You know, it's really funny that you say that, actually, because still, the the jerks that come in and apply for jobs, I mean, even something as simple as a $8 an hour cashier job, really? You're really going to come in looking like that? I mean, the Looking gu- like what? Well, the guys come in and they've got their pants halfway down their butts <laughs> and they've got their, like, hats on and just, I, I mean, I'm sorry, but I don't think I ever wore anything less of a skirt when I went to apply for any job because I wanted to sell myself and I wanted to get hired, Well, which is why I kind of laugh at people sometimes when they say that it's really hard for them to find a job because half of them, it's like, well, do you go in looking like that? Right. As an employer, this is what I would say, what, what I would be thinking to myself is, well... Here's a person that doesn't take this uh, interview seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's this. Uh, you know, they're not putting on their best foot forward for this interview. So, what are they going to do for my company when they're working here? You know, mm-hmm. if I get if all things else are equal and I have the choice of some b boy with, uh, you know, as you say, you know, the, the the pants hanging around his butt and the the hat B-boy? cocked to the side. Yeah. I believe that's what they call them. Um, I don't think so, but that's okay. okay. Well, that's what old people call them. How's okay. that? Um, What's the B stand for? I don't know. Okay, I'm just asking here. I, I, I look, know, I'm I just the, heard that term. I'm not in the culture, so I don't know. Uh, and I have a, you know, the choice between a young man who's uh, come in with his hair cut, his, his face shaved, uh, a tie, mm-hmm. and uh, his, you know, and a press shirt that's tucked into his pants with, where, with his belt, uh, you know, an inch and a half below his, his navel. Yeah. Well, then, to me, it's going to be easy. And likely, it's a guy my age who's going to be doing the hiring. You know, maybe I'm a little stuffy, maybe I'm a little old-fashioned, whatever, no, it doesn't matter, I'm, I'm doing the hiring. I, I wouldn't say half your age, but I feel exactly the same way. And my opinions are based on what my mother taught me mm-hmm. I should do when I go apply for jobs. And I've never had trouble finding a job. I've always had a job. Yep. Guess they're not teaching kids that in school, how to get a job. You'd think, I mean, basic life <laughs> stuff, right? They're not even talking about it. I don't no. know th- I don't know whether they're teaching kids that or not. I mean I I didn't get it. Some of the stuff that people put on applications is very humorous too. <laughs> humorous bad or humorous <laughs> because they're being funny. No, humorous bad. Would it be would it be a violation of federal law for you to reveal that information? Not if she didn't Not if uh, it was anonymously. Yeah, but the one that really stands out is there was this one application that came in and there, one of the questions is have you ever been charged of a felony and the 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 lady the girl wrote like yeah I came in and I saw my boyfriend with another woman and I punched him in the face and got charged with assault and <laughs> and every single word was spelled wrong well, that's wow. awesome. and it wasn't a felony charge so she didn't even need to put it down <laughs> so wait the, the so question what do you is do, just out of curiosity before you go on there. What happens if a person leaves that blank on the application? Would you be likely to even just not even notice that or what? No. 
I, we would never even look into it. So you just for a low level job, absolutely not. not even, Who cares? That's why I'm sorry. I'm going to give some gentlemen. advice out there. <laughs> just leave that section blank, unless you're hiring, like applying for a job where it's a big, serious job. It's on the line, and you think they're really going to go back and check? Leave that crap off. They hardly ever check. They don't make they don't make good sounding felonies. Okay. So anything you're writing in there sounds bad. And the question is awful. Have you ever been charged with, not convicted of, but just charged with a felony? It may say convicted. I could be wrong. I'm sorry. I don't want to. Here's here's the funny thing is this is how it used to be on job applications. Is it used to be um, that they would only ask in the last seven years. I got out of prison having served eight years, six months, 21 days. I was already qualified to say no. Do you understand how bizarre that is? A guy walks out of prison next day, files a job application, and I can answer truthfully, no, I haven't been convicted of a felony in the last seven years. <laughs> like maybe, maybe, maybe there's something wrong with yeah. their application thing. <laughs> All right, so unemployment numbers really are at 15%. Let's yep. switch gears quickly and go to uh, the science world. Julia's got a uh, quick story for us. That's right. A laboratory robot called Adam has been hailed as the first machine in history to have discovered new scientific knowledge independently of its human creators. I would like to uh, say welcome to our new robot masters. Thank you. Yes, we all know whose side I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> so what Adam did they discover? Adam formed a hypothesis on the genetics of baker's yeast and carried out experiments to test its predictions without intervention from its makers at this university. The result was a series of simple but useful discoveries confirmed by human scientists about the gene coding for yeast enzymes. So the robot did its own experiments and drew its own conclusions without any correct. help from humans? That is correct. And to me, this is like huge, super exciting Can news. Can you see? She looks really... I yeah. mean, obviously our radio listeners can't see this, but uh, she's beaming with excitement. I love robots and robotics so much and i very much look forward to my robot body one day <laughs> well it's the, the robot part that bothers me it's the thinking brain thing that's a, that would be attached to it that is going to you know rule the world that's the part that bothers me i i do believe that at some point yes i mean already they can they can make uh you know the mind move like prosthetics to some right. extent. So she actually had a story about that. I think. I right? think we're you know yeah. we're probably a decade or two away from re- real robot bodies. I mean, it can't be that I, far off if I you could make so. if if <laughs> to, you make brainwaves move just, prosthetics. I mean, the fact like this is essentially a synthetic brain, really. And I mean, I understand that there have been robots that have come out. I don't. Most of you probably really don't follow robotics too much, but there have been many humanoid robots, but they they do the most basic of tasks, and they're really just beginning to scratch Mm -hmm. the surface of what these machines will eventually be capable of, and... I look forward to it so much. This is going to make life so much easier and what, so much better. What you're going to see probably before a full-on robot body is augmentation, where they'll use yes. technology uh, to essentially improve your existing body. In what ways that, that will mean, I'm, I'm not sure, but it'll be cool. Anyway, it's been Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Uh, yeah, and the new Terminator movie's coming out here in the next couple months. T9? Uh, T4, I think. <laughs> All right, we'll see you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online from my desk with WebEx. 
WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code, 600, to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details.